Welcome to the Epidemic Belfast podcast. I'm Ian Miller, a PI and lecturer at UU. Uh, Epidemic Belfast is a public history and medical humanities initiative from Ulster University. It aims to map changing experiences of infection and disease for individuals and communities in a unique urban environment, Belfast for the 19th century to the present day. On today's podcast, I'm interviewing Eugenie Scott, doctoral researcher at Ulster University, and we should be looking at the subject of cancer patients in 19th century Belfast. So Eugenie, welcome to today's episode. How did you first become interested in your topic? Hiya, yeah. um, I became interested because my PhD project is a study of cancer in all of 19th century Ireland. Through my research, I found that the province of Ulster was particularly interesting because it consistently had higher cancer mortality. So I included it as a chapter of the thesis. Okay, so how is Ulster and specifically Belfast different to the rest of the island? Um, So in 19th century, Belfast developed differently than the rest of the island. While the majority of the island lagged behind in economic development and remained very rural, Ulster and specifically Belfast urbanised and underwent industrial growth. So this made it unique from the majority of the island. While Ulster was the most developed and prosperous region in Ireland, it was also the region with the highest recorded rates of cancer throughout the 19th century. The rise in figures seen in contemporary census records throughout the 19th century indicated a far higher cancer incidence in Ulster than any other province of Ireland. That's fascinating that Ulster seems to have had a much different experience of cancer than the rest of the island. I wondered what doctors at the time thought might be causing the higher rates of cancer in Belfast and Ulster. Yeah, so as I mentioned, Belfast developed differently to the rest of the island as it industrialised when the other provinces didn't. So many of the doctors at the time were blaming industrialisation for the spread of both infectious and non-infectious diseases such as cancer. Some suggested that incidences of some diseases were increasing in civilised nations as inhabitants had departed from nature and natural ways of living. So they thought that the change of environment, diet and mental stimulation introduced by urbanisation and industrialisation was responsible for a host of medical issues that became known as the diseases of civilization. One of the diseases thought to be linked to civilization was cancer. So one example is British medical practitioner and internationally known 19th century cancer expert, William Roger Williams, who noted a connection between progress and cancer. Williams noted that industrialization was a great environmental change for people and it could upset the balance of the human body. He pointed out that in comparison with the rest of the United Kingdom, cancer mortality rates overall were lowest in Ireland, the only part of the kingdom that had remained comparatively unprogressive. So the contemporary statistics suggest that Ireland as a whole had a much lower cancer mortality than England, but higher rates in industrialised Belfast, which was distinct from the majority of the agrarian island. Um, A few other ideas in cancer's causation included that it resulted from an injury to the body or that it was hereditary. Great. Uh, Were there any other explanations as to why cancer mortality in Ulster was higher? Um, Well, another explanation for the higher figures is perhaps that those living in a more built-up town were more likely to have their cause of death recorded correctly by a doctor if it was cancer, or that because medical services were concentrated in urban areas such as Belfast, cancer sufferers were travelling in from rural parts, and if they died there, then that inflated the death statistics of the city, making it seem that it was higher in that area. That's really interesting. So, so really get into the complexities uh, of um, death recording in the 19th century. So if you were suffering from cancer in 19th century Belfast, where would you go for help and, and what help might you receive? So the medical facilities available included um, the dispensary, the workhouse and the infirmary. 
So 19th century Belfast was well equipped with various dispensaries. The dispensary was a place where the poor could go and seek medical advice and medicine or basic treatment. A cancer sufferer who visited the Belfast General Dispensary on Frederick Street for relief would have entered a three-story high building with two windows at the front down a narrow street in the busy part of the town. The patient would have waited to be seen in either the kitchen, a back room or the stairs. The medicines were stored neatly in a room above the stairs and were said to include a good supply of delicate and expensive medicines such as morphine. So it's likely that cancer sufferers who visited this dispensary could have been getting um, pain relief. So there was also the Belfast General Hospital, which is now known as the Royal Victoria. Treatment for the disease at the time was really limited and cancer was classed as an incurable disease. This made hospitals reluctant to admit cancer patients. However, there is evidence that this establishment did accept some in low numbers. The census of 1841 indicates that a total of seven cancer sufferers had died in the hospital since 1831. Between 41 and 51, another five men and nine women also died as a result of cancer. Deaths in the Belfast General attributed to cancer decreased slightly in the next 10-year period, with a total of four people, two men and two women, dying there between 1851 and 61. Then the disease claimed the lives of a further four men and one woman in this hospital between 61 and 71. In the early decades of the century, cancer patients are likely to have been offered surgery. The use of the knife um, as a treatment for cancer had become increasingly popular during the course of the 18th century, However, as the 19th century progressed, the medical community realised that this method wasn't as promising as it at first seemed. Without anaesthesia, patients endured horrible pain and physicians could never be sure how a patient would react. It was generally felt that risks and suffering that came with surgery in the pre-anaesthesia era could not be justified um, and their disease often just returned. So surgical operating on cancer only became a realistic option with the invent of anaesthetic in 1846 and antiseptic in 1867. The advent of germ theory and improvements in anaesthesia resulted in the transformation of the hospital into a surgical institution. As the efficacy of pain relief gradually improved, surgeons were able to operate for extended periods of time and perform more intrusive surgeries. Chloroform was first used as anaesthetic in 1850 in the Belfast General. From the middle of the century, it was decided that Belfast needed a hospital that was safe for surgery without the risk of contracting infectious diseases from other patients. Therefore, surgery was no longer treated in the Belfast General. It's been said that this decision enabled surgery to grow and develop there. Um, this development perhaps impacted the surgical attempts at removing cancerous tumours from then in Belfast. Between 1859 and 62, 13 successful cases of excision of the mama were recorded, along with six operations for the treatment of cancer in 1869. Um, so the other place that I mentioned was the workhouse, where cancer patients could have ended up. Statistics show that the workhouse took in many more cancer sufferers than the hospital did. The workhouse was intended for the use of the destitute poor, but it became an important place of medical relief in Ireland, even though very minimal medical relief was available. The Belfast Workhouse opened in 1841 on the Lisburn Road, where the city hospital stands today. The figures show that the intake of cancer cases increased each decade in the workhouse, while hospital admissions remained similar throughout the century. Between 1841 and 51, seven men and seven women registered to have cancer spent time and died in the Belfast Workhouse. Deaths returned by the medical attendant between 51 and 61 show that a total of 19 cancer sufferers were boarded in the Belfast Workhouse. This greatly increased in the next decade, which saw 81 deaths logged under cancer for the years 1861 to 71. It could be speculated that this data indicates 
and increased use of the workhouse as a medical facility as the century progressed, rather than an actual increase of cancer in Belfast. So the services available would have been of little aid to the uncurable cancer patient, but would at least have been accommodation, food and some form of care. Um, there's also evidence that although cancer patients did not receive treatment at the workhouse, they could be referred on for treatment from there. Um, a letter from the house surgeon of Belfast in 1844 from the Fever Hospital noted that a patient with breast cancer had been admitted from the workhouse for operation. Thank you. Uh, you mentioned that the hospitals turned cancer patients away in some cases, which seems really horrific by today's standards. Why, why was that? Um, well, at the time, with limited knowledge of how to treat the disease, hospitals were reluctant to occupy beds with patients that were deemed to be incurable. People with chronic diseases received less help. As general hospitals gradually lost their welfare function and became more medicalised, they frequently denied access to chronics on the grounds that there was nothing medicine could do in such cases and the bed should be reserved for those who might actually benefit from the medical treatments that were available. Another reason is maybe that the admission of incurable patients could have resulted in financial loss for the hospital. The hospital staff may have been concerned that if they had a list of patients who weren't progressing in treatments, it would discourage subscriptions or donations. So if you were one of the unfortunate people who didn't gain admission, where would you go? What would you do? Well, there was also the option of unorthodox medicine, which many would have opted for before even considering the hospital as a gentler alternative to surgery. Um, cancer sufferers were known to steer away from the knife for as long as possible until their torment became unbearable and unfortunately untreatable a lot of the time. Um, folk cures and remedies were used throughout Ireland in the 19th century. Some early cure attempts recorded in Ireland for cancer include to drink a decoction of dried flowers um, and an ointment used from the leaves of wild sorrel. It's also been documented that red clover tops infused have been used in Ireland for cancer treatment. Wood sorrel has um, provided many Irish folk treatments for cancer. Records from the Irish National Folklore Collection document endless remedies used generally throughout Ireland that have been passed on from older generations. The records frequently mention the use of a plaster, but also some more natural methods, such as squeezing the juice from the roots of a dandelion plant and applying the liquid to the area of concern. One recorded account of a folk cure for cancer details three quarts of cow's urine boiled with the root of a docken and the leaves of a healing leaf. The mixture was then boiled down and mixed with fresh cow dung and applied to the area of concern as a poultice. Another popular medicine used throughout history for therapeutic causes, including cancer, was arsenic. The arsenic was mixed with various other ingredients into a paste and applied to the cancerous area, then covered with a bandage of leather for a period of days um, before the cancer was extracted. This method wasn't quite abandoned until the era of anaesthetics and antiseptics, um, which revolutionised surgery. In relation to Belfast specifically, 19th century newspaper articles indicate that the city was home to a cancer healer known as Dr. Broom. The Belfast Telegraph published a wealth of supposed patient testimony thanking Dr. Broom for his pain-free cancer cures. Various addresses were advertised and patient testimonies were reportedly from all over Ireland. All of the patients claimed rapid recovery despite having suffered with cancer for many years and consulting with many other medical professionals. There was no information provided on his methods to treat cancer or how long the treatment would take. However, the description did boast um, of how surgery could be avoided. Unfortunately, these kind of adverts were often nothing more than attempts by frauds with no legitimate medical expertise, offering false promise with a motive for financial gain. 
the adverts contained exaggerative claims of quick and pain-free therapy at a low cost, along with fake, favourable testimony to lure an audience in. Such claims were undoubtedly attractive as an alternative to daunting surgical procedures. While Dr. Broome's existence is questionable, irregular medicine was commonplace in the 19th century medical marketplace, so it's likely that such therapies were offered in Belfast. So just to perhaps try to sum up, it sounds very much like the prognosis of a 19th century cancer patient in Belfast was, wasn't that great at all? Um, yes, it wasn't great, but it was typical of the time. Um, it's plausible that cancer patients consulted a mixture of orthodox and non-orthodox physicians in the hope of being cured, all of which would have been entirely ineffective in either managing or overcoming any sort of cancer. However, they would have been appealing with no other option available and made sense according to non-orthodox medical theories and traditions, and at least provided some degree of comfort in the absence of a cure. A cancer-specific hospital was not established in Belfast or even in the province of Ulster, despite this region becoming a location of increasing cancer concern by the close of the 19th century. Um, the Thompson House Hospital opened in the Lisburn area just outside Belfast in 1885. The purpose of this hospital was specifically for incurables and included a spacious cancer ward. The hospital is still open today, however, it's now used for nursing brain injuries um, and there are no surviving records of its former times or the cancer patients it may have held. Well, thank you very much, Eugenie, for for a fascinating contribution to Epidemic Belfast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Epidemic Belfast. For more information and to read articles related to today's episode, as well as other ones in the series, you can visit our website www.epidemic-belfast.com.